Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. Today, we will be talking about God's household, specifically three characteristics of uncompromising love. You know, where do people get the idea that God doesn't care for them or love them or that he's some bully just wanting to punish them? This is not who God is. God is a loving creator, a parent to the born again that loves his children dearly. This is the same God that wept at the death of Lazarus. We see that in uh, John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. This is the same God that is pictured as Joseph when he wept at seeing his brothers in Genesis 45. This is the same God that's heart was touched when he saw the multitudes lost and astray. That's Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. In other words, our God has great compassion for his people. We shouldn't look at him in any other light than the light of great love. Most importantly, this is the God who sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we may live forever with him. God has been so good to me, and I love him. I find it hard to believe how much people will willfully rebel against God, not because they're sinful. I mean, a sinner is going to sin, but because they're trying to find fulfillment through ways that simply won't fulfill. That's what I find so hard to believe. In this lost and broken world, people are not turning to God more. And today we are going to talk about how God is a loving and awesome God One that if people truly understood his character, understood his great love, understood his majesty, understood his preeminence, that they would run to, that you and I should run to. Those that are called to him and saved by his amazing grace, it is our duty, our reasonable service as Christians to live for him. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalms chapter 40, verse 10. Psalms 40, verse 10. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. I'll read that one more time. Psalms 40, verse 10. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. That's what I'm here to do today, friends, is to share God's righteousness, not to just have it in my heart and not tell you, to declare God's faithfulness and to declare salvation is through Jesus alone. I can't conceal those. I can't conceal his loving kindness. I have to share it today. And I believe if you're willing to uh, listen for a bit and and, uh, ponder on some of these things, you might too warm up more to who God is and to how he runs his household and understand better that the household very well may be what God gives us in our own lives to see his role uh, in heaven and in our lives. Uh, So let's pray here 
and then we'll go right on to the first point. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for everyone that's tuned in to listen here today, Lord. We just love you today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, Lord, to pay that sin debt that we could never pay, Lord. We're so thankful we serve a risen Savior. We're so thankful that our Savior is alive today, Lord. And we just ask you, I ask you now, Lord, to speak through me for the next little bit. Uh, Lord, to use the Holy Spirit within me to tell your people, to teach your people what you'd have them to know about your household. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So firstly here, in a household, a loving father demands the best of his children. God wants the best for you and thus demands the best from you. Think of a father and how he is to run his household. Does he just let the kids run wild? Think about that. If a father did this, what does it say about his household? What if you were to go visit a friend say uh, a dad and they had children in the house and you saw the children running wild all the time that you, every time you came to visit and you looked at the kids and you saw that they were young and maybe didn't understand all the rules, but the dad was fully able. You were of the dad's age. You understood the dad was fully able. What does it say about that dad's conviction in his rules? You know, what does it say about the dad's conviction in his rules? If the kids are just running all over the household, now think about this. What would happen to the kids? Inevitably, they'd get hurt, go hungry, fight, create many problems for themselves, and potentially they could die in a house that's unattended and with rules that are unenforced. So God commands his children to walk uprightly in righteousness, to live set apart, blameless in this crooked and perverse world. So God is, is, is showing us that he loves us so much that he will not let us just run astray and run wild. Uh, you know, the Lord is referred to as the shepherd, right? And the shepherd has a rod and a staff, amen? And we need sometimes to have that, um, that tough love from the Lord that, that gets us back into line as sheep that are, that are gone astray, that are gone everyone to its own little place. We need the Lord to kind of whip us into shape, amen? And that is God in his household being a loving father, and demanding the best of his children. And that means he's demanding the best from you because he wants the best for you. Amen. Philippians 2, 13 through 15. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. We must understand we as dumb sheep tending to go astray need his guiding hand every day and every hour, as the hymn puts it. I mean, think about it. The scripture here in Philippians 2 tells us to do everything without murmurings or disputings. We should not be angry uh, at a loving God for loving us so much that he does not want us to settle for the unholy things, the things that are repugnant to him, the things that are awful in this world. God loves us so much, he doesn't want us to settle for it. But then, of course, you know, the devil is going to make it look like we're missing out on all the fun. Uh, there's a, a something on social media that I've heard about, a, a term, I don't know who coined this term, uh, but it's fear of missing out. FOMO, fear of missing out. And that's that idea that, oh, uh, as Christians, maybe we're missing out on something. 
Look, God wants us to have everything that's good for us, like a, like a father would want for his child. If you have a child here today, whether you're a mother or father, you can relate to this. What do you want for your kids? You want the best for them. What do you keep your kids away from, at least when they're young? Hey, you keep them away from what's bad, amen? You keep them away from what can harm them, right? And that's what God wants to do. He loves us so much. He doesn't want to compromise on this thing. We must understand this. Does God know? You know, you might be thinking, does God know what you go through? Does he know the temptations you face, the hardships, the stress? I've got news. Absolutely. He knows these troubles intimately well. Hebrews 4.15. For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Understand God is faithful. He's not going to change his ways or leave us as an earthly father might, but he will be with us steadfastly in love for eternity in this life and the next. So we must understand these things uh, when it comes to God as it relates to the believer. And number one, God wants the best for us. And that means getting his house in order by commanding us to live rightly. Ask yourself, are Christians living rightly today? Secondly, God through sending his son Jesus to die for our sins, knows all too well the suffering this life brings. This means that since God knows what we are dealing with and loves us so much that he refuses to let us drift off in sin and face eternity apart from him, he made a way to give us life and peace here on earth through accepting Jesus as Savior and living close to him. And God is faithful, and he won't leave us or forsake us. That's Hebrews 13, 5. So we understand that firstly here, God's a loving father and he expects the best for his children. And therefore we have to act as properly as we can, living holy, living by how God commands us to live. Secondly, a loving father will take control to protect his children from abduction. God wants to be in control of your life for your benefit and his glory. Now I want you to think for a minute of a child and a predator. Let's say you have a young child that is facing a predator at home. And let's say you are fully aware of the predator's plot to steal your child. What will you do? How will you react? Look, if someone were to try to take my children or harm my children, Jenny Rose, my daughter, CJ, my son, I would do everything and anything to stop that person. I'd even die for my kids. Think of the predator now as sin. God is not here to ruin the party or make us miserable. It's the opposite. He's here to protect us from the things that will hurt us. Sin is the predator brought about by the enemy. Just like a predator would take my kids away through offering candy or a treat. So sin offers what looks good to be on the outside, but only leads to grave consequences once consumed. What has God done to protect you, his child? From that predator of sin? Well, firstly, he's given his holy word, which is full of wisdom and knowledge. I mean, he's given us the, the uh, rules to live by in life and, and the scriptures to understand and, and great uh, volumes of, of history through God's eyes as what happened and prophecy and, and uh, the Proverbs, the book of wisdom and Psalms and and uh, revelation and what's to come. He's given all of us to under this for us to understand what we need to do for him and how we need to live. Amen. 
He's given us prophecy to spoil the devil's plot by exposing his lies and showcasing his defeat. We know the end of the story. We know that the devil is cast into eternal hellfire. We know these things. And finally, he's given us a church and a fellowship to help look after each other and even rebuke each other when needed. Think about that. The church is also a mechanism to help protect God's household, his word, uh, all the truth and prophecy, and the church. These are three examples of many protections God's given us to protect us against sin. And think of what God had to do ultimately by sending Jesus on the cross. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to die for our sins on the cross. That's the ultimate sacrifice. Remember, I mentioned I'd be willing to die for my children. Well, God actually did die through the person of Jesus on the cross for his uh, elect, for his, for his children, for those that are saved. Amen. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's John 15, 13. The great love shown on Calvary is from the same God we worship, serve, and are here to learn about today. The same God that sent Jesus to die for your sins is the same God that is working within you to perfect who you are in him, to mold the clay, to build up his church. So think about this again. God's trying to protect you from the predator. He's trying to protect you from sin that will destroy you. And one way the devil tries to muck this up is he doesn't want you to think about God as the protecting father, as the loving parent, uh, as, as the one that has this godly household. Because if you do, then you realize it's for your good and you'll more often cling to God and you'll more often resist temptation. You'll more often turn to the ways of God. Why would the devil do this? Because the devil can make you think God is just here to kill your dreams, your joy, and that he can get you afar off and not thinking of God, of who God truly is. So who is God truly? He's the lily of the valley, the sweetest love of them all, the kind shepherd, the royal bloodline, the king of kings and lord of lords the creator of all, the great I am, the one with power to cast to heaven or hell, the one that always judges righteously, the one that wants to welcome you back like the prodigal son when you go astray, the redeemer, the shield and buckler, the one that covers us with his mighty wings. I could go on and on. There is no end to the goodness, mercy, and grace that defines our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So understand God truly is love and his love is a protective love, one that a father offers to his children to protect from those things in this world that would hurt his children. You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message. So we've talked about how God demands and expects the best from his children and how God will protect his household from predators and the major predator being sin. And now let's wrap up this household discussion with looking at how a loving father will not accept moral compromise when it comes to his household. God wants you to be holy for your sake in his glory. Think of the head of a godly household. You are open to letting filth in the door, lies, coveting, cursing, pornography, fornication, and all the rest? Absolutely not. You are to keep your household in line with God's laws. 
One of the biggest challenges and responsibilities I face is keeping my household as a father in line with God's word. I mean, from what's being shown on the TV to what's being listened to on the radio to what games the kids are playing to uh, what they learned at school. Everything has to come under the microscope of what thus saith the word of God. Amen. We have to look as parents at making our household godly. And uh, this, in fact, is the word of God tells us it's a requirement uh, for the ministry. First Timothy three, four through five, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? You know, think about that. Why is it difficult? Because the world is so against the things of God. Well, how do we keep the world out of the church? Well, we do that by starting at home and making sure our homes are not carnal in nature and our homes are God-honoring and our homes are uh, in line with how uh, the word is preached on Sunday. So what's preached on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night is also acted out in the home. We're living it. God calls us to this high standard. He wants his household pure and holy and separate from the wicked ways of this world. If friend, if you don't know how wicked this world is, uh, this is a, this will be like a bucket of ice on your head, but I'm telling you, this world is cruel and wicked in every way. Everything is twisted around. Everything has gone astray. It's, it's dying. It's, um, it's everything against God. You know, what does the Bible say about it? It says that the little G God of this world is Satan, it, that uh, Jesus himself says that. Uh, and so we know that we are facing great obstacles in trying to raise our household in this world. Well, let me ask you this. Does God not know that? Is God not aware of that? Is God not aware of our form, uh, prone to wander like sheep, uh, our, our, our sinful nature, the lust of the flesh? God's fully aware of it, and that's why he's giving us such firm commands, and that's why he will not allow moral compromise when it comes to his household. God is not preparing you for this place. He is preparing you for the next, and that's eternity with him. What do we know about eternity? We know it's a holy place where sin cannot enter. We serve a holy God that will not tolerate any sin. So why would he let the believer live in sin down here comfortably to face such a rude awakening there? He is preparing for us a place to live forever. In other words, he's molding you in his image, not allowing you to be conformed to this world. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, how's your mind renewed? Well, number one, it, it starts with being saved. Amen. You have to be saved. You must accept Jesus as Savior to receive that Holy Spirit living within you. And that starts with that, that, that change in your heart, right? Salvation isn't baptism. Salvation isn't um, lineage. Salvation isn't church membership. Salvation isn't uh, anything but accepting Jesus as Savior. And that starts with realizing you're a sinner, as the book of Romans put, put it, uh, realizing that we all fall short, that we're all guilty of sin, and that our righteousness is like filthy rags, like a gauze pad, a dirty old gauze pad to God. That's what God thinks of our righteousness 
outside of living for and with him. Amen. So number one, we must be saved. We must accept Jesus as Savior in order to not be conformed to this world. Uh, in matter of fact, if we're not saved, we won't have that Holy Spirit discernment about us. We won't be a child of God. We'll be created by God, but we won't be a child of God. That's why it's called born again to be a child of God. And secondly, once we're saved, that's not enough. I wish it was enough to not be conformed to this world, to just get saved. And then, hey, it's like a light switch. You flip it on and you're good. And a lot of Christians, I'm afraid, may think that's how it works, but that's not enough. We must be in his holy word. God gave us his holy word for a reason. And it's not to sit on the bookshelf or in the back of the car or who knows where or even just leave it at church for the week and then come back and get it. That's not what it's for, amen. It's for studying. It's for helping us understand God's will. It's the way that God speaks to us. It's giving us discernment and knowledge. As a pastor, it's it's only my job. This is only my job to explain uh, the word of God and to preach the word of God, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's it. And, you know, it's not my job to make anything up new. It just simply have to explain to you what it is that the word of God is saying in this case about his household. And that's how we have our mind renewed, being saved, getting in his holy word. And, and that's going to, you know, the Bible tells us that when we get into his word uh, and we understand, we listen to preaching, we, that builds our faith. That's how we have our faith. And finally, uh, fearing God, where you crucify the fleshly desires of this life for the reward to come. Uh, this world, by large, has, has lost that healthy fear of God. Look, we are to fear God. Uh, you know what? When people sin, when people rebel, let's say somebody was in church for a while they decided they liked the things of the world and they got all into the things of this world. And you can use your imagination as to what that would be. Um, what are they really doing? They're saying, I'm not that afraid of God. I mean, if they truly knew the God that Moses knew, uh, the God that, that, uh, that, that, um, John saw, uh, the God that, uh, that, that, that everyone, when they're approaching Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, have fell back when he said his name, that that God, if you knew that God, you would be afraid of that God. You would fear that God. You would have holy reverence for that God. You would say, I want my mind renewed. You would not settle for the things of this world. See, we, we let ourselves off into temptation when, think about the time you're most likely to let yourself off to, into temptation when you're away from the things of the God, from when you're away from the things of God, when your mind is not renewed, is that not correct? When you are walking in your own, after your own lusts and your own ideas, living for your own desires, and you are not properly picking up your cross every day. Have we left our first love? Have we gone astray? If so, God might just take us home since we aren't bearing fruit for him here. Revelation 2, 4 through 5. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So I've told you about how God would like his household run, and how God expects his household to, to be run. That he has certain rules that we should follow, and he demands the best from us that he'll protect us from abductors, from those that are trying to hurt us, which is sin through the devil, and how God will not accept moral compromise because he's a holy God, and he demands for us to live holy in this household. So what does this all mean? 
Well, first, let's purpose to never forget that God is love, that he is our hope and everything that is, in, that is important in this world and beyond. Think about that. God is love. He's everything. And so what do you do with someone you love? Well, you treat them with respect. Uh, you know, my wife is a wonderful uh, woman, and she has things, uh, ways that she likes the household run out of respect for her. I listen to her uh, out of my own, uh, for my own good. I'll, I'll definitely uh, clean the dishes as she wants me to clean them and do things as, as she sees fit. We're uh, out of love, okay? Out of love, we, we live in this household in peace. And how much more do we love the Father? How much more do we love God who sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross? That we should then live in the ways that he calls us. And just like I do with our family, where I point my wife and, our, and my kids and myself to God's laws, God's commands, uh, to how God um, wants us to live. And we have family altar time here. Uh, and when we have family altar time, we look into God's word and we learn more. We focus a lot on Proverbs and, and wisdom. We learn more about how God wants us to live. And, and so what we're doing is we're trying to mirror that household. But Ultimately, what we're doing is we're showing God that reverence in our behavior by, by taking care of ourselves, by getting in line with how God wants us to live so that that shows that we care. Just like I care about my wife or I care about my family or a son would care about his father, we should show God that we care by following his commands for our household, for his household, and we shouldn't do it begrudgingly. We should do it lovingly. Uh, let's be like Jeremiah. When we pray and seek his face, Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me saying, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn thee. Understand God loves us with an everlasting love as a parent loves a child. I mean, that the type of love that God has for us is incredible. And if you spend time in God's word, you spend time in prayer, you realize that we serve a loving God, not a God that is out to hurt us or take away what's good for us, but to give us the good things and to keep us from the bad things. God knows this wicked world and the consequences of sin. God knows the consequences of sin and thus draws us to himself in loving kindness. And yet we rebel and we get afar off and we wander and God brings us back to the fold uh, and, and yet we, we then go off again. We need to stop. We need to realize that we can be close to God all the time because he is love and he is great and his, his commands are good for us. Amen. True love is not telling people what they want to hear, but what they need to know. True love is not being a friend in sin that leads to death, but a friend that walks in the light, insisting on the best for each other. True love is taking the meek and base of this world and making them the highest status in heaven. True love is a clear expectation that we will live in godliness for him, repent when we go astray, and fear and know him that has all power and control in our lives and the world. God ways are, God's ways are true and holy, and we are his children and servants. We are bought with a price, and it is our reasonable service to live for the Father in his creation, as would bring glory, joy, and honor to him alone. Is that not why we're here? Is that not why God uh, created us 
for his glory, right? To bring glory and honor to him. Are we waking up every day saying, how can we honor God? How can we uh, live in his household uh, right, rightfully? How can we live by his words and his commands? Are we waking up like that? Or are we waking up thinking, I've got to do this, this, and this. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. And oh yeah, that, that Bible study will get pushed to the back burner. Oh yeah, that, that time, uh, quiet time with God will get pushed to the back burner. God is, is, what's so amazing about God is he's all powerful. He's created everything, right? And at the same time, he's there. He's present. He's willing to meet you. The Bible says we can approach the throne boldly now that Jesus has died on the cross for us. Amen. And we've accepted him as savior. When we can approach the throne boldly. We have that direct line of communication with God. We need to use that, not just in times of, uh, great distress or in times of just celebrating and thanking him, we need to use it every day to seek his will for our lives, to repent of the sin in our lives and to do what we can to better live for him and grow in him each day. So that when that blessed hope comes, when he comes back to take his church, we will be, as the Bible says, like a chaste virgin, we'll be pure and we'll be holy, we'll be living for him and we'll be so excited to be with him. That is our goal. That is God's household and we should live it each and every day until he calls us home. Amen. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen.